This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Sam. I'm Kimmy. And it's Tommy. On this week's episode of And Friends, we ask the internet why we should have sex. And I make sure we all check our testicles for lumps. And I am riding my friends' coattails to success. All that and more on this week's episode of And Friends. Listen to And Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report, informed automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you with us. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Lou Costable, and thanks for joining us for yet another episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. And, you know, Lou, we always like to start off uh, each episode here with just a little bit of uh, chit-chat, what's going on in our uh, car lifestyle as we are car guys and before we went uh, on the uh, air today, uh, you were, uh, I wrote it down as Lou has a conundrum or a dilemma. So if you could kind of give us the uh, Reader's Digest version of the uh, Lou Costable conundrum in relation to your car life, uh, something to do with obviously the pandemic and car shows getting canceled. So I'll leave it at that and let you pick it up from here. Yeah, thanks, Mark. So uh, as we were chatting beforehand and asking, you know, how we're doing, I said, well, one of the challenges uh, for the person who might be the first-time listener is I run a YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. It has over 1,500 different cars on the channel. And uh, it's it's uh, if you haven't seen my channel, go to YouTube, search up My Car Story with Lou, and uh, I think you'll really be entertained if you love cars because I get the caretaker basically sharing their car and the details of their car. And the so, thing that people have to remember is these people usually don't come to you. <laughs> you have to go to them. Yeah, right. You know, some some people have been watching the channel, and that's true, but uh, generally, generally I'm finding the car, so to speak, uh, finding the fishing hole of where the car is, and I pull it out of the, pull it out of the lake and reel it in. So reel it in. Put it on the bring – the, bring the boat in. So um, bring the fish on the boat. So, But the short story is – uh, with the car shows being canceled and with the distancing, uh, especially some of the larger car shows, uh, the challenge is that these they're just not having them. So, And the other thing, too, is the fact that at least here in the Midwest, you know, as we get into the colder weather, things are going to shift from outside to inside. And that's when it really gets dicey as far as the, as you said, like the distancing and, and the, the number of people you can have in one area and things like that. And the car shows that you were particularly talking about, or you will be mentioning um, are obviously ones that run in the colder months and they're done um, indoors. If I'm not correct, if I'm not mistaken, correct? No, you're 100% right. Yeah. And uh, one of the shows that's, uh, here in uh, Illinois is called the Muscle Car and Corvette National, or what I like to call the, um, you know, the uh, Pebble Beach of uh, muscle cars, <laughs> or, or uh, you know, b- better yet, the greatest muscle car show on the planet. And uh, this is an international show, so cars come from 
uh, all over the place to come to this show, and they're usually extremely unique, rare, um, and fantastic cars. Well, the challenge is, is that if I'm not getting the chance to video those cars, not only a are you not being able to see it, the viewer, but more importantly is uh, you know these people are being disappointed because they can't get to the show. Uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like there's a win to it. Uh, at all. But the other challenge and the conundrum that we talked about earlier is if I'm having a difficult time finding cars, well, then you're not going to see them on the channel. So um, I'm, I have to, uh, I'll use the term, maybe use more favors. Uh, thankfully, I've been doing this for seven years, so I can call some people and say, who else has cars that we know that would be interested in seeing them? And then instead of going to one show in one location, uh, for a couple of days, which gives me about three months worth of material, I will have to be basically, you know, doing it one bite at a time. I'll have to be uh, as the Costa Bear instead of the Costa <laughs> instead of the Costa Bear who gets to hibernate over the weekend. I'll have to go out instead of storing my honey all around my midsection. I'll have to go out and continue to hunt during the cold. And I can just see you calling these people. Hey, uh, Larry, there's some guy on the phone, some Lou, somebody or other, or something about YouTube, huh? What? What? Yeah, something about your Buick. Uh, oh, that guy. Yeah, <laughs> All right, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much how it goes. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously one other thing with the channel is you'll see that it's lots of fun, and, and the people who are on the channel enjoy it. You could just sense it. But anyway, so that's, that's more of the conundrum is just, uh, you know, what's going on with the pandemic. Uh, obviously we're waiting for – some type of resolution uh, sooner rather than later, but we've been now waiting for that for, you know, well over half a year. And uh, hopefully it comes soon because, uh, uh, you know, all people are being affected by it. So uh, the other thing is, of course, over the winter, a lot of times you're indoors. So that's one of my most popular times for people to be watching the channel versus the summertime. Yeah, it's actually actually kind of a double thing converging at the same time. You might have less cars to put up while more people are looking at your channel. So... Right. It's not a good, not a good so, situation. Yeah. So that was the Reader's Digest version, but thanks for letting me just discuss oh, de- it. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I'm always uh, amazed at, at the quality of cars that you get. And, you know, one thing that you were saying before we went on the air is the fact that, you know, one one maybe positive aspect of of the fact that these shows got canceled is instead of being at the show and, and kind of doing not a quick and dirty, but, you know, an eight or a 12 minute video because you just don't have the time and they don't have the time and you want to try to get a lot of cars. If, if you have to do fewer cars and drive to somebody's location during the winter to get that car, you hopefully would have more time with that person, even though the the setting might not be optimal but you have more time with that person to produce a longer video and that i think would help compensate for you know some of the other things that we talked about correct yeah so so um the short story there too is when i go to a car show a lot of times it's volume meaning that let's just say there's 500 cars at a show like there would be at the muscle car and corvette national well maybe i can video just because of time maybe i'm there for two days during driving maybe i can get 11 cars a day, which let's just say they take one hour a piece to video and set up. And, you know, although the videos won't be an hour, but to set the car up and put it in the right position and uh, put some trunk and treats in there, which is pamphlets or documentation. So when you say, okay, that's 11 hours and the next day is 11 hours, you get 22 cars. Well, that'll be about three months worth of material versus 
when you don't have the, and it's just the review of the car. You're obviously not driving it. We're not showing it in motion past you. Where the opposite of that is when I do go to somebody's house, um, I can control the environment a little better, which is probably, you know, versus, you know, somebody starting their Hemi up next to you when you're halfway through your interview. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which it's, I'm sure has happened to you before, too, right? Oh, yeah, it happens all the time. But when you're at a car show, it's it's uh, the Wild West. So there's a lot of edits and a lot of pieces put together. And um, But when you're at a, but when you're at someone's house, uh, as I will be tomorrow, um, you know, then, then I can have them drive the car past me and then I can, you know, show the car in motion. And then we usually take a ride and usually those rides are somewhat silly and fun. Uh, always mark keeping within the legal speed limit, although the engine might not suggest that by the sound of it. <laughs> Just look at the tack, see where you are in the rev range and <laughs> we'll go from yeah. there. And, yeah. So we're always keeping it, you know, we're always abiding by the law, keeping it G rated on the channel. But, uh, uh, yeah, so that that becomes a little more fun, and then I could show the car in motion. So, so perhaps yeah, the it, watchword it, it, coming down the line, at least for a month or two in the winter, and I don't want to take anything away from you, but the fact that maybe more quality, a little more time spent with each car instead of qual uh, instead of quantity on the channel. Yeah. Yeah, my, my goal someday is to get to the point where this is all I do, and uh, uh, hopefully I don't wreck everything else in the process trying to get great court cars out. So. <laughs> but, but but who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll do the. The bottom line is that I can I can guarantee the viewers this and the listeners right now. Mark and I will always do the best we possibly can for you. We always try, right? Yeah, no doubt. But uh, we certainly do appreciate the uh, you know the effort that you put forth with your uh, YouTube channel, and of course on each episode of the Car Guys Report, when you're on the episode, and you're on probably eighty-five to ninety percent of the episodes, we play the Car Guys Report guessing game, and we'll do that a little bit later on in this episode. Um, one thing that we always like to talk about too at the top of the show is uh, cars that we may have seen recently uh, driving around while we're running errands or anything. Obviously, not at car shows or things like that, and um been seeing uh, quite a, a nice assortment of, of vehicles on the road uh, lately. Uh, I saw a, a, a decent-looking Triumph TR2 red convertible. Those are the ones with the uh, side curtains and not really much of a door, so to speak, on them. Uh, nice uh, early 60s Ford Falcon, another red convertible. Um, I saw another another convertible, too. Obviously, th these were seen when the, when the weather was absolutely beautiful. And this is a classic. as a, a nice, probably mid-70s, probably about a 75 white Oldsmobile 88 convertible, the big, uh, you know, big, nice uh, convertible cruiser. A red McLaren, you can't go wrong with that. And I saw so many Corvettes in one day, I just wrote down a convention of Corvettes <laughs> because there's so many of them. Sometimes I'll just see like three or four C6s drive past, and then I'll see a C7, and I'll see something else. I'm like, wow. So a convention of Corvettes. Then two interesting cars, too, Lou. One, actually, that I saw today right before we started taping, um, and I'll save that for the last, but the second-to-last car that I saw recently, and I'm pretty sure it was a replica because it looked, it looked too – I mean – any Cobra is going to look nice. This one looked very nice. It was a 289 Cobra. It had to be a replica just because I, I couldn't see the front grill to, to look in to see what the if there were like cooling fans and what the radiator looked like. That's kind of one clue you can see if it's a replica. It's going to have the modern like aluminum radiator up front. But it was a very nice looking car, replica or not. It was a black um, top down. Uh, it looked great. I wasn't able to get close enough to it on the road to, to confirm 
but a very nice looking car. And then a car that I saw actually today, like I said, Lou, and this is right up your alley. And it was a later model than yours, but it was a black Viper. And um, it uh, was a, a newer model than yours because it, it, the the body, the the trim, or something just looked a little bit a little bit different on it. But uh, it was a very good looking car, very good sounding car, and the guy had a uh, uh, vanity plate on it as well. So uh, another Viper enthusiast. And I was wondering if if you had your car parked here at the uh, Car Guys Report warehouse and he drove by, I'm sure he would have taken a second look at it as well. So I always like to talk about some of the cars that we see on the road uh, driving around, and that's one of the fun things. You were recently, I believe, too, again, once in Arizona, and we talked a little bit about this uh, last time. Have you seen anything else uh, exciting on the roads other than just, uh, you know, uh, uh, a gathering of of Ferraris and a plethora of Porsches uh, in the uh, Arizona sun? Well, I, my my son is is just about to get his driver's license, so we have a fun time in Arizona, or I call it the Ferrari of the day. Okay. So so we do this mental visual hunt as we're driving to see who sees the Ferrari of the day. Um, but uh, yeah, no, there's more than enough Porsches. But I will say it was a nice uh, GT3 RS, which mm. has the open front wheel vented. Oh yeah, that's so cool. With, with a wing on the back of it that you could uh, use as a bunk bed, but um, uh, th- th- that's the one that that sticks out probably the most. And uh, it was uh, the uh, one of the wild uh, things about those cars too. The GT3 RSs they have that the center lock wheel, so they don't have individual lug nuts. They just have one giant, um, you know, lug or you know nut or whatever you want to call it that goes on in the center of the rim. And I think you have to torque it. I was talking to a guy at a car show last year, and he had one. And I think they, they actually give you, like, this giant breaker bar that's, like, four feet long because the thing has to be torqued <laughs> to something like 500 pound feet because they want to make damn sure those those wheels aren't going to be flying off when you're doing 188 miles an hour down the back stretch at some track. But it's just fascinating, you know, that, <laughs> that uh, the thing gets torqued down that much. But I believe it because... Um, that is a that's a hell of a car. So, what color was it? Do you remember? It was it was black. Okay. Let me give you one other little piece. If you go on the one side of the car, you'll see around that nut there's like a blue ring, mm-hmm. and if you go on the other side, there's like a red ring. So you don't screw up. Which, which side? Goes on. Yeah. 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 So. It's yeah. <laughs> they think of everything, right? But you you better get something for your whatever those go for about three hundred four hundred thousand, I think. I, I haven't priced them recently, but uh, that's always uh, always good to see. But I, I, I agree with you about those uh, fender vents. Those are really, you know, a nice touch on that car. And I, I'm sure they're functional for some reason, too, I think, to evacuate air or something from underneath the car or around the rim so it doesn't, you know, get lift or something when you don't want it to. But very cool. And I'm glad that you and your son are able to have kind of your version of the Car Guys Report guessing game. <laughs> You're driving around in in sunny Arizona. Be sure to tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. It's on Spotify. You can go to opishows.com as well. We're coming soon to Amazon Audible as well. You can get all the details. I know we throw a lot of stuff out at you sometimes, but opishows.com is one place you can look. Radiomisfits.com. You can also check us out, as I said, on Spotify and coming soon to Amazon Audible as well. That'll be fun. You can email us anytime. Just address your emails, your comments, your complaints, your kudos, your suggestions, anything you want. Car Guys Report 
at hotmail.com is our email address and our email inbox, of course, open 24-7. So, of course, Lou, we uh, hear a ton these days about smart everything, smart homes, smart cars. Um, you know, they, they just like putting that moniker in front of so many different things. And we've heard a lot about the future of cars, not only just self-driving cars, but cars that may be able to communicate with each other on some degree of, uh, you know, uh, ability or cars that might be able to communicate with other things. And this is an article that I came across in the uh, Wall Street Journal recently about roads that can talk And we're talking about roads that will either communicate with cars that are on the road in real time or communicating back to like a data center. And then the data center could be sending out alerts to cars that are on the road and approaching the area where there may or may not be a problem. Uh, Two states, Utah and Georgia, are experimenting with uh, this technology. The Utah Department of Transportation is using a technology called V2X. It's called Vehicle to Everything Technology. And what it does, it's a basically a safety system. What they're what they're doing, it's pretty actually pretty cool. Because I'm not, as you know, we've talked so many times before on the program. I'm not a big one about all the the, the safety stuff on cars, blind spot monitoring, um, automatic braking, uh, lane departure warning. Uh, now they have rear automatic braking. They have just so many different things because I think that it tends to diminish your capabilities as a driver if you get used to your car doing everything but in this case especially in utah where there's a lot of mountains and and they have a picture of this road it's amazing it's called torpedo hill it's got a seven percent grade which is pretty pretty steep and then there's a crosses a bridge and then it meets almost like a hairpin turn at the bottom so just mix that up with some winter conditions and some ice and it's not a good thing so they said when cars would pass over affected areas where there might be uh, black ice or something on the road an onboard sensor would detect tire slippage sideways movement and sudden braking and relay that information from a from a car equipped with the technology to a data center and then an alert can be sent to all cars on the road headed to that effective area, affected area from the data center so that's one way that you could use this connected technology in a uh, safety situation another way that you can do it too and, and this is another one that that utah is dealing with is in road maintenance they said that springtime freeze thaw cycles like we get here in the midwest can break apart asphalt and form potholes in a matter of hours like we know right lou because we we experience that all the time so they say in big cottonwood canyon uh, the utah department of transportation spends about ten thousand dollars a year repairing potholes but they say vertical acceleration sensors in passing cars will be able to detect bumps in the road and can signal that a pothole is emerging, not even actually fully potholed yet, but starting on its way. And that, therefore, can alert uh, the transportation department's crews to go out and make repairs before the pothole gets too big. So maybe that means that you won't see, you know, eight or eight or ten you know, sanitation workers or, or Department of Public Works workers standing around one pothole watching one guy pour asphalt from a shovel <laughs> into a into the hole and tamping it down. It won't even get to that point because they'll be able to fix it before the pothole even comes out. But I actually think that 
this is a good use of, of certain smart technology because it actually is, I think, conveying very useful information, and it's something that will actually assist the driver instead of taking over for them. And I think that's where I make the distinction as far as all the automated crap that you have in cars versus something that would actually tell you that something is is maybe coming up around the bend, so to speak, and you can decide and start making, um, you know, reactions or whatever to deal with that uh, that possible hazard. But uh, no, um, you know, a word on when this stuff could actually be deployed in a wide general uh, uh, deployment into cars. But they said the VX2 technology works by uh, emitting a constant stream of, there's that word, anonymized data of speed, tire traction level, uh, tire traction level, or grip, I guess you could say, windshield wiper status, so they know if it's raining or whatever, and and very much more up to 10 times a second. So all these sensors are transmitting this data. Of course, there's going to be people that are, you know, bringing up privacy concerns and things like that. Although, you know, all modern cars have black boxes in them now, too, which that's a whole other area that you don't want to definitely get into right now. But just interesting to see where we might be going uh, in the future as far as roads actually being able to communicate with cars and drivers that are traveling those roads in more or less real time. So I thought that was kind of a cool thing that I wanted to talk about. And have you ever been in a situation, Lou, where you've actually been on like black ice or you've had, a, you know, a, a teeth clenching moment where you're grabbing onto the steering wheel going, oh, shit, you know, I'm going to crash or something like that. Have you ever been in a, a situation like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> in which car and where? More more times than I'd like. Yeah, one was, um, uh, one was a car that I totaled. Um, totally my fault. I was. Uh, this is in my youth. I think I should caveat that before I start the conversation. Uh, so I was probably in my early twenties, and oh, so just racing, a few years ago, right? Yeah, I was racing a guy home from uh, work. And uh, it was, of course, uh, uh, it had stopped snowing, <laughs> but uh, there were three lanes, um, and I decided to jump in the third lane, which nobody was in because, well, it was all snow. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried to make the pass, and apparently my car decided to go sideways. So as I was driving out my passenger side window, which was the way I was going forward at the time, and uh, I met uh, Mr. Sign. Uh, after hitting Mr. Curb uh, and uh, put a nice uh, nice crease right through the middle of the car. So it was really interesting because we pushed the car over to the side of the road, and the back, the driver's side, and the front of the car, of course, all looked completely normal. And if you went over to the passenger side, you destroyed. saw that it was pretty much almost all the way to the drive shaft. Oh, wow. <laughs> and what car was this? This was a 72 Galaxy with a 351 Cleveland. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it was... Uh, uh, it was a big boat, and um, you know, thankfully, it was a big boat because that's probably what saved yeah. me, the amount of metal between that door, and uh, at least in the seventy-two Galaxy, they boasted how they had a uh, guardrail in mm -hmm. the door. Yeah, the, the side impact beams or whatever they call them. Side impact beams yeah. for someone just like me. That, uh, <laughs> and was that the was that the demise of that car then? Yeah, that was the end of that. Okay. One. Yeah, we put that one to sleep after that. The um, um, but no, I've, I've, I, you know, I'm pausing for a second. You've got to understand for the people who are listening, when you were driving cars in the seventies, many times, you know, especially when you're a, a teenager or something like that, you're on a budget. So I had like bias fly tires oh, of course. and things like that in the winter. 
so there were many times we spun those things in the in the things but uh sometimes purposely and most of the time unpurposely but uh <laughs> yeah so there were uh 65 chevy that we used to take to the parking lot just to do donuts oh we yeah would, you know there was something i don't know if people remember it was called sketching where you'd grab on mm-hmm. the back of a bumper and you'd Basically, hitch a ride on like, the snow. You hitch a ride on the snow. Right? Yeah. So I would be a lot of times the driver, and part of your job as the driver was to try to throw people into <laughs> people's yards. So I mean, we did all the wrong things as as uh, kids, and um, um, I was a big part of that. So I got to say, I've never done any of that that reckless stuff like that, Lou. So you got me beat there. Well, I, I was I, always I, a good uh, boy. Yeah, well, I, I had the difference was you probably uh, my father passed away before I was driving. Okay. So uh, when you have no responsibility when you come home of worrying about being paddled, <laughs> uh, although I'm not saying my mother didn't uh, take a good shot at it, uh, she would use weapons or whatever she had belts, spoons. She whatever. would just say, "Lou, you're late for dinner." <laughs> no, it was sometimes you know she was not afraid to to bring out something of of some weaponry that she created. <laughs> instantly on the spot but how about a pizza paddle yeah generally speaking once my father passed away the paddling has became much lighter than what my dad you know my, my dad must have thought he was babe ruth <laughs> well we've we've peeled yet another layer of of uh interesting items away from the luke yeah. costable family tree and <laughs> and life experiences yet again yeah. on the car guys report so yeah there was little little um what's the word i want to say little parental guidance in the front half which is probably you know Probably why I'm on the straight and narrow now, trying to be a good example to all the boys and girls after <laughs> after doing all the things the wrong way. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, we certainly appreciate that that story. You always have such great stories to tell, so I always want to try to to try to get those in on on the program. We also like to thank all our listeners, as we always do. We've got uh, audiences, of course, in the U.S., Canada, and our loyal listeners down in Australia too. Don't want to forget them. Really want to give a tip of the cap to uh, our Aussie listeners because uh, they've been very loyal to us, and certainly appreciate your continued support here on the Car Guys Report. We're at the uh, point in the program where we like to talk about a car that's either been uh, recently sold or advertised for sale or at auction online this one comes from bring a trailer and i know that an episode or two ago we talked about the vertipack shipping of chevy vegas where back in the 70s they were actually shipping 30 vegas at a time vertically inside a, a railroad car so they could just and they did that because they could just literally jam 30 vegas vertically up because the car was small enough and light enough they could do that and i came across this car that was uh sold on bring a trailer around the same time and it's a cosworth vega but r- really uh, drew my attention to this one was two things. First of all, it's a 76 Cosworth Vega. So they only had a two-year production run. So this is in the latter part of the production run. It was number 30, uh, 3,062 out of a 3,508 production run. So it's a later wow. series car. But the nice thing about this one, Lou, and it's all original, that I don't think I've ever seen a Cosworth Vega in another color other than black. And this yeah. one was actually medium metallic red. They called it. Really? Yeah, it was. Uh, they called the color was called mahogany, which was a medium metallic red over a buckskin colored interior. So really nice uh, color combination. And like I said, it was original color. So that's got to make it rare, too. It didn't really talk about if this was like one of, you know, whatever in this color. But that really drew my attention because, you know, like you seem to concur 
every Cosworth with Vega we ever see is black, and they look great in yeah. black, but... Yeah, this, black with gold. Yeah, well, this one is, is is the mahogany over the buckskin interior, which is like a light tan. It still has the gold rims, obviously, because I think all the, the Cosworth Vegas had that. But it's a great, you know, red and, red and gold is a great color combination. Uh, of course, the 2-liter double, double overhead cam Cosworth 4-cylinder engine. 34,000 miles shown on the odometer. Um, I put this down as well-bought. It uh, hammered closed on Bring a Trailer for $11,361, which I think is a pretty good price for this car because it's low mileage, it's super clean, it's a Cosworth, and it's a, a unique, uh, I would say, rare color. So I think eleven grand for for that was uh, definitely well bought uh, vehicle, and it looks it looks nice in the pictures. And I think, I, I think the you know I'm surprised the seller didn't get a little bit more because I would think that could be approaching maybe fifteen thousand dollars. But eleven grand, I'm sure the the buyer is happy, and uh, it was a great looking car. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to jump in for just sure, a yeah. So there's certain cars that have been escaping me, and you just mentioned one of them. Meaning of these fifteen hundred cars on the channel, you know, uh, I, it, it, it's it's a very difficult car to find. Um, the Cosworth you know, Vega. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, you might think that it's you know you got a car show, you're going to see one. No, you just don't. So, uh, and I can recall seeing one in the last seven years. And now, you know, pausing for a second, that might have mean that I went past one and not noticed it yeah. in the car show. It's possible. Uh, maybe there was something that was catching my attention more. But when I'm, I, the last probably, I would say, four years, I've been looking for a Cogsworth Vega just because I think they're, you know, pretty unique and popular at the time. Um, you know, some of those Monza, Chevy Monza mm-hmm. Spiders. Yeah. Or, or, you know, some kind of a Skylark GT. You just don't see Monzas uh, anywhere anymore. And you could yeah, get a V8 in that car, too, which was an awesome, you know, that, that made that car into a performer. Because it was basically, as, as if I understand, the Monza was based on the, on the Vega chassis, I believe. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, there's, there's some of these vehicles that you just don't see anymore. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's the fun part of my hunt is that... Uh, uh, while looking for these, um, you know, obviously a Cogsworth Vega versus a Camaro or a Corvette, right? I mean, people knew a Corvette was something special as soon as they bought it. So they really babied this, you know, the, the, the pants out of it. And something like a, a, a Vega, it didn't have the same level of care generally. No, no I mean, I, obviously, as we know, most Vegas that were made back in the day either just rusted away or self-destructed. Um, and people, they were a cheap car. They were cheaply made. They had huge uh, QC issues. Um, by 75, 76, they had some of that ironed out. They didn't sell, A, they didn't sell a lot of Cosworths, so that makes it rare. B, the ones they did sell, I think a lot of them were, were trashed. A lot of them were raced. A lot of them were just, you know, beat beat into the ground, so they didn't survive. So that that's another reason why there's just not that many of them left. And it's and I've said this before too that I think the Vega when you look at the two door hatchback Vega, whether it's a Cosworth or or, the, or just a regular Vega, I think it's a design that has actually aged very well forty five years on. I think it's a clean looking car, 
And it's got kind of a little bit of Euro-esque styling to it from the mid-70s. And I just think it has really aged well. And one thing that really surprises me, too, is when you see one, because you haven't seen one in a long time, when you actually see one in in the flesh after so many years, you, you marvel at how small the car actually is, how narrow it is, and how diminutive that it seems compared to so much else that's out there now. But back in the day, it didn't seem all that small. Sure, it was a compact car, but it seemed excessively small, like a Fiat 850 or something like that. And I remember back in the 70s, you know, I've talked about this before, that we had a 72 camback wagon. And around the same time, because my dad used to like to go out and look at cars for sale, used cars, and I would always obviously accompany him along. Um, and we went to look at a Cosworth Vega at one point. It was black, and we didn't buy it, but uh, I do remember looking at a Cosworth Vega back in the day that, that was for sale. So um, that's kind of my <laughs> my little bit of Cosworth Vega uh, reminiscing there. But you're right, though. I mean, a car, Vegas, you don't see a lot. Monzas, you never see anymore. Uh, it's just amazing. And, and they sold a lot of Monzas, too. And I'm surprised. I think I've seen one at a car show in the last four years and it was fairly modified. It wasn't really close to stock or anything, which is kind of disappointing because they did come in a lot of different flavors. And I think the Spider was the one that you could get the, get the V8 in but um i always thought that the monza was a was a good looking car and they made the variations pontiac made a version of it and the buick i think made the uh, made the version of it as well so um you know it's just neat stuff to talk about and hopefully lou you'll be able to find a, a cosworth vega for the channel one of these days yeah and, and um uh you, you know just the, the more you dive into it the more you find the uniqueness of some of these cars. Uh, I was just doing some research on the Toyota MR2, mm-hmm. and, it, and I didn't realize that some of the later versions actually had a turbo version, too. Yeah. Now, some people like yourself might say, oh, yeah, you should have known that. You know, just it, there's just so many little, I'll call them idiosyncrasies that we forget, that when you find one of these, um, you know, it, it just seemed like you really discovered a gem. And the MR2 is another car that's that's starting to get more collector interest these days because it was a mid-engine car, and it was a Toyota, so it's going to be reliable. And they didn't, again, that wasn't a high-volume car. They had the, the original version, which was more angular, and then they had the second gen, which was more rounded. But they're both good-looking cars. And I almost think the second gen looks a little nicer, but I think people prefer the first generation a little bit more for, for purity for whatever reason. But, uh, again, those are cars that, you know, in the day, in the mid-'80s, um, we would see them reasonably often, but now you don't see them at all, hardly. And I don't think I've seen one of those at a car show. I can't even remember the last time I saw. I saw them in a magazine. You know, I think we might have we we may have seen that same um, article. I think it was in Car and Driver recently uh, on the collectability of MR twos. But you just don't see them, you know, in the flesh. Yeah, well, well, and it's kind of funny too because uh, guy, uh, two couple of things real quick that come to mind. Number one, cars look better with age. They have an amazing ability to do that. I mean, cars that we took for granted, Pintos, Vegas, Pacers, Matadors, whatever that we thought. Oh my God, these things look like you know garbage. And, you know, all of a sudden when you look at them now, you kind of you know turn your head a little bit like a dog that just had a bone thrown it wasn't really thrown it was behind the owner's back and he's kind of like huh you kind of look at those cars with a little more depth uh because you do see them so infrequently and um it's just a little more exciting i i don't know how to define it other than that and just i think there's an appreciation for 
you know, things that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I've always been able to appreciate um as you're saying, you know, the design and the and the styling of, of something that was, you know, made 20, 30, 40 years ago that you haven't seen for a while. And, you know, you don't just necessarily pass it off. I mean, I was the one that was saying, I think the Maverick has aged well, too. When you when you yeah. see a Maverick, you just look at the design of the car. It's a nice shape. It's pleasing. It, it, there's nothing really jarring about it. It was never a great car. But I just think it, it kind of falls in the same category as the Vega. It's, it's still the styling has held up well. And you can't say that about every car. I mean, you look at a Pacer or a Gremlin, you're kind of like, well, that's kind of on the fringe. You know, it, it, it's kind of those are the cars that you would scratch your head and go, you know, I can't believe they actually made that. <laughs> but but, um, you know, you see the Vega, you see the, 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 the Maverick, you see an MR2 and you can appreciate it. Uh, especially like we're talking here when we haven't seen one for for quite a while. So good to know that we're on the same page there as far as as uh, some of the cars that we like to talk about here on the Car Guys Report. If you like our program, it is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Be sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits podcast network like the show minutia men it's an opie show rick kempfer and dave stern are two really great guys they're consumers of worthless information and that's putting it mildly and they uh share their newest worthless information in the podcast minutia men it's on spotify opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search radio misfits and when you do that's where you'll find the car guys report informed automotive i'm mark vernon along with uh, lou costable and we're smack dab in the middle of this uh, episode of the car guys report thanks so much for taking us along for the ride and when we talk about certain things on cars lou it's something that most people wouldn't give a second thought to but this is a um a piece that i came across online uh recently called great inventions the speedometer it's something that you know you get into every car it's got a speedometer a lot of people obviously don't pay attention to their speedometer seeing how fast or slow they drive over or under the posted speed limit but a little bit of uh, a few little tidbits here about the uh, history of the speedometer i think that uh, you'll find amusing the world's first speeding ticket was given to a gentleman in england called walter arnold in January of 1896, he uh, was sailing through town, the town of Kent, at four times the speed limit, and a five-mile chase ensued when he was finally brought to a halt by a bobby on a bicycle who pinched him for going a whopping eight miles an hour. And put icing on the cake, Lou, Walter Arnold did not have the requisite flag-waving escort. As we remember, if you go way back in the early days of the automobile, they were supposed to have a guy with a red flag marching in front of the car as you're driving along behind him. And I think it had all to do with uh, not scaring horses and things like that. But that is just too funny. They don't say what the fine was for uh, Walter Arnold going a whole eight miles an hour back in 1896. But credit for the first car speedometer goes to A.P. Warner of the Warner Electric Company, who adapted a mechanism called a cut meter, which measured the speed of industrial cutting tools. The Oldsmobile Curve Dash runabout of 1901 was the first vehicle to be equipped with a speedometer, while a year later, German engineer Otto Schulze patented a device for measuring the instantaneous speed of the vehicle, which uh, basically is the 
one version of the modern speedometer. For a time, uh, while they were uh, while the cars were being um, you know, more getting more and more common and things were changing a lot. It says for a time, it was even mandated that vehicles, this is great, have one speedometer for the driver to see and another larger one that would be visible to police. Fortunately, as speed limits were increased, this rather ridiculous idea met its demise. Uh, met its demise. Now, I could see you, Lou, driving in your Viper with this giant digital speedometer affixed to the roof, and you would have it have it rigged so you're going 80 and the thing on the roof would be saying you're going 55. Now, I do have a story on that um, that I'll add to this. So I have a escort radar detector in the Viper and I figured, well, it's a good idea to get a better escort radar detector because there's one that came out that has the speed on it as you drive. Okay. So I Measured by GPS, to- right? Yeah, whatever yeah. it is, but somehow it tells you like a little speedometer on the radar detector, and this way if you're going over the speed limit, it'll beep or something like that. Well, the challenge was I have a son, uh, this one I mentioned earlier, who's my editor, who uh, um, he's a very, very good boy. So uh, the problem is he's a very, very good boy. So when I would come home from a drive on the highway, the first thing he would do is shoot out of my car and explain to my wife how fast I was going because <laughs> he could read my radar detector mm-hmm. speed. So I actually had to change my radar detector in the car so it just had a bar that okay. goes up and he couldn't <laughs> tell what the speed was um, so that I wasn't getting myself in trouble for driving the speed, just maybe a tad over the speed <laughs> limit um, in the car on the highway. So... Uh, yeah, the speedometer is interesting. Speaking of speedometer, the first thing that I thought, and I knew it was coming up because I was looking at our notes, but um, the car that I just videoed, and it's worth mentioning, was a 1966 Buick Riviera GS, uh, only one of 179 built. But the interesting thing was the speedometer, because the speedometer is a rolling mm-hmm. barrel speedometer. Yeah, the Tornados had those, too. Yeah, so when you're looking at it, it, it you know, literally circles, you know, as if it's a rolling mm-hmm. uh, barrel, and, and you see the speed, which is much more different than, you know, the natural needle that goes from one end to the other, uh, from a zero to whatever number you're doing. I know but, I know you recently, too, did the 1958 Buick Limited convertible, and, and while you were enthralled with that car, you took out for a drive, and I don't know if you, you paid enough attention to the speedometer on those cars, the 58 Buick has what is kind of a, like a like a fluorescent orange spiral that starts at, you know, zero. And as you're driving, that the spiral just keeps extending out to wherever your your speed is. So if you're going 60, you'll have this this spiral uh, thing in the middle of the speedometer that tells you how fast you're going. And it's 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 not really like a bar. It's it's like a spiral and it like rolls. It's really cool. They did a lot of neat stuff like that, you know. Nowadays, you just have a thing that just tells you how fast you're going in digits, and that's it. So, <laughs> Yeah. I don't recall, but I remember one speedometer, too. Uh, first of all, there was like a speedometer alarm. So yeah, the, yeah. The, well, a lot of cars had that. I know the 58 Buick had it. It was called the, uh, I think it was just called the speed alert. But, um, yeah, where you just, like, basically set it to, like, 85 miles an hour, and if you hit 85, then a buzzer goes off telling you that, you know, you've hit 85. A lot of new cars have that, too. I know my Porsche and my Challenger have 
electronic speed alert. So you just enter the, the speed that, you know, like 100 or whatever, and then it'll tell you, you know, it's good. It's actually a good thing to have in a fast car because a lot of times you can hit 100 in no time. And you don't even know you're going 100, but it's good to know that it's going to tell you're going 100 before you get into trouble. So, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of the modern speedometers, as we as we talked about, 1976 was the year Aston Martin made that uh, crazy Lagonda four door kind of real wedgy shaped car. They didn't make a whole bunch of those, but they made uh, at least several hundred of them. And it was the first car, production car, to have an electronic instrument cluster. And it's funny that it appeared in, a, in an English car, knowing their penchant for bad uh, electrics and electronics. The car speed was displayed in digits on a CRT display with no direct mechanical link to the transmission or the wheels. Instead, a signal from a sensor was transmitted by wire to the dashboard display, a system that was soon adopted by the rest of the industry. And this next thing is the final item on our short uh, history of the speedometer, Lou, and it uh, makes total sense. It says, Speedo error has always been an issue. So UK regulations, we're talking about England, state that speedometers must never underread and that they must not overread by more than 110% of the actual speed plus six and a quarter miles an hour for single vehicle approved cars and 110% for plus two and a half mile an hour for production models. So basically what that means is they it's okay if it reads high. So let's let's say you're you're actually going fifty, but it says you're going fifty five. They just don't want it to read low where you would be going fifty or it says you're going fifty and you're actually going sixty. But I wrote in the notes here, that's why my Aston Speedo reads higher than you're actually going because of that built-in UK regulation. Because when I'm in the Aston, it reads about five miles an hour high. So if, I'm, if, if it says I'm going 55, I'm really only going about 50 miles an hour. So I always kind of wondered about that, and that kind of makes sense that the uh, UK regulations have, uh, have said that. Do you ever get into the habit of testing your accuracy of your speedometer, like if you're on a highway? And you pass a mile marker and you like stop a start watch or start a stopwatch, start a stopwatch and measure, uh, you know, the time that you're actually covering that mile and then comparing it with your odometer or your speedometer. Have you ever done that before on any of your cars? I haven't done that. But what I do do is a lot of times when you're in these neighborhoods and it says, uh, you know, 25 is the speed limit and it's got the child oh, safety. Yeah. It says your speed is doing. This. Yeah. I like to see how accurate my number is compared to the number. I do the same thing. And I think purposely they they have like those things read high. I think sometimes they have them read higher than you're actually going to really make you slow down. Because sometimes they're right on or very close, surprisingly. And other times they're like five miles an hour off. But I know exactly what you're talking about. So it makes sense that they could kind of tweak it so so it's reading actually faster than you're going. But... It's hard to say, but I do. I have done that before, and surprising, most of the cars are, are pretty accurate when that thing reads accurately. And I don't know where the accuracy is coming from because I wouldn't think this little thing they hang up, you know, this radar that they hang up on a pole to catch people driving by and, and reading their speed would be all that accurate. But it seems like they pretty much are, except when you blow by them in your Viper at 110, and it probably has this giant net that it throws out in front of your car to <laughs> make you slow down that way, right? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, will, I, will, I will say this, that I'm very cautious in neighborhoods because uh, 
Uh, and definitely, I'm probably doing under the speed limit yeah. in most neighborhoods only because of the fact that, uh, um, you know, you've got kids there and, and I, I, you know, that would be just a, a disaster. So um, the only time I light it up really is when it's on the highway and I'm, you know, clearly by myself and it's not, you know, I'm not jumping through cars and things like that. I saved all of that for my youth. So now it's just a very calculated, you know, empty highway and i'm fortunate enough to live way out in the suburbs so um there's quite a few open open roads mm-hmm. of opportunity and i never and i never another another caution to you kids who might be listening i never um uh drive like a bat out of uh uh, uh i never drive that fast <laughs> in the night you can say hell on the radio that's okay okay yeah so, so uh i try not to drive fast at night because a lot of times you know you have no idea if there's gonna be some deer that jumps oh, yeah. across the road or anything else and you know so i don't try to uh uh you know have a midnight run i see some of these car shows that you know we're, you know, we're in the back back roads of where and where and it's nighttime and we're sneaking out at midnight no i don't I don't sneak out at midnight. If I'm going to go, it's going to be in the day where I can see stuff. There you go. And if you've ever seen the, the damage a deer can inflict upon a car, oh, it's, oh not, uh, it's not a pretty sight in a lot of, in a lot of ways. <laughs> Regardless yeah. of what happened to the deer, we're talking about what happened to the car. Um, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, right, 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 right. How about yourself? Um, as far as what deer hitting or or no no no. <laughs> I, I, well, first of all, I've never tagged a deer. Have you? No, no. I've that? there's once or twice when they've maybe run out in front of me, but I was able to stop in time. Um, yeah, me too. But and then a lot of times, if I if I'm in an area where I'm familiar that there's deer, you know, I'll make sure I'm I'm trying to see them in my headlights. And sometimes you can see like a whole passel of them. I mean, you can see five or six of them on the side of the road. Sometimes it's scary. Uh, I've yeah, had right. friends that have been hit by deer, um, have actually had a deer hit them. That's funny. This was probably 25, 30 years ago. Uh, this was a friend of mine that uh, had a Renault Medallion station wagon. Now, that was the one of the AMC-produced uh, Renaults. And I think this thing was like an 83 or something. But uh, a deer actually jumped into the side of the car it didn't jump out in front of the car it jumped out and hit the side of the car and it kind of like crushed the door and and it did a fair amount of damage it was it was really a you know goofy accident but and you would i there's be like no way you could prevent that because if you're just driving along and a deer jumps out and hits the side of your car there's not much you can do um and i don't know how fast the car was going i, I can't remember but um yeah it's it's not a good thing so it is no. good to pay attention to that. I check my speedometers every now and then on the on the highway or the odometer. I'm, I'm more concerned really about the odometer. I just like to see if it's reading high or low in mileage as far as, as accuracy goes on that. But um, I haven't really been too concerned with that lately, but uh, maybe I should just since we're talking about it here on the uh, Car Guys Report. Always uh, bringing up things to, uh, to do when we're not uh, recording uh, a podcast episode here on the Radio Misfits podcast network we have sanitized all opi shows for your protection but you should still be wearing a mask help prevent the spread of covid19 by following the cdc guidelines you will be saving the world and also be sure to wash your hands and that is the uh cue during uh the episode here that we're recording to uh, go and wash our hands we'll be right back 
after this. On this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, we talk with a New York Times bestselling author whose work inspired a blockbuster Hollywood masterpiece. We talk with Midnight Express author Billy Hayes. Listen to Minutia Men Celebrity Interview on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, Steve's most embarrassing moment? Why do you have to put it on me? You were embarrassed, too. I was. Yeah, more than once. Yes, I've been embarrassed on this podcast before. Not embarrassed enough to end this promo. Maybe embarrassed on this one. We'll talk about some of our life's most embarrassing moments on the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And we're back here on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Mark Vernon, along with uh, Lou Costable. And Lou, uh, one uh, list that I wanted to cover, and we can have a little bit of fun with this, uh, celebrity cars that sold at auction. Now, I've listed uh, 10 here. Uh, comes from Reader's Digest, too. Not n- normally known for doing a lot of car content, but some of these are a little dated as far as when they sold. And the interesting thing that I found out about this or find, found about this uh, list was the fact that there were some celebrities that uh, had cars that I wouldn't think that they would have. Um, I wouldn't associate the, necessarily the particular celebrity, so to speak, with the type of car that they had. So, um, and there's two surprises uh, along those lines that I'll save um, at the end of the list. But John Lennon, of course, uh, the famous Beatle, he had a psychedelic Rolls-Royce Phantom that in 1985, which would have been five years after his uh, his death, sold for $2.3 million. So in 2020 uh, dollars, that uh, comes out to $5.9 million for John Lennon's psychedelic rock, uh, Rolls-Royce Phantom. Steve McQueen had a Porsche 917. He had a lot of cars, but uh, I don't know how they decided to pick and choose which cars, but a Porsche 917 sold in 2017, so about three years ago, former Steve McQueen car, for $14 million. Paul Newman had a 2002 Corvette. Now, that's a pretty uh, mild car for a guy that was a race car driver as well as an actor. Sold for $275,000. Now, here's one guy that I didn't know was into cars. James Coburn. We remember him in a lot of different uh, movies, especially The Great Escape. He had a 1961 Ferrari 250 GT short wheelbase Spider, one of 56 built. In 2008, so that's 12 years ago, the uh, James Coburn 61 Ferrari short wheelbase 250 GT Spider sold for $10.9 million, so it would be a lot more uh, that that car would go for now. And this one, Lou, kind of fits up your alley. David Hasselhoff, the 1986 Kit Trans Am. Now, I don't. I don't know if this was the original one, but it was. It might have been a a uh, recreation that he owned. It didn't really go into it because I have seen recreations of the kit Trans Am at at car shows. Um, of course, from uh, the show Knight Rider, and it only sold for one hundred and fifty thousand. So I don't know if it was just too gimmicky for some people, or or not. But uh, maybe a lot of people just don't like David Hasselhoff either. So. <laughs> Ooh, David Hasselhoff sat in the seat. Ooh. <laughs> but um, Elvis, 
1969 Mercedes-Benz 600 Pullman. That's that big old limo that um, Mercedes made. I don't know if it was the short or long wheelbase, but uh, sold for $750,000 in 19... uh, Actually, they don't have the year when that sold, but um, some of these... Some of these I have the year that they sold, and some I don't. But um, and a, a few more on the list. Um, Clark Gable in, had a 1955 Mer- uh, Mercedes-Benz 300 SL Gullwing, classic car, sold in 2015 for $1.85 million. And three more on the list. Lou, I wanted to, to – we've talked about this one before. No surprise. I don't really think it's a celebrity car. But it's one of your favorite cars, the Batmobile. Now, I don't know. It's not like it was owned by Adam West or anything like that. But, of course, this is the one we know, all know about that sold several years ago at auction for $4.6 million. And then there's two surprises on the celebrity cars that sold at auction list. I need to pause you for yeah. a second. Yeah. The Batmobile was actually owned by George Harris. Uh, oh, that one? Yeah, 2013. And there's about supposedly there's five Batmobiles. Yeah, yeah. Batmobile number one. But the short story and the reason why I slowed you down is, uh, what's the email that people will start sending you emails on? <laughs> CarGuysReport at Hotmail.com. Yeah, they're going to swarm that if they listen to the channel saying, oh, it sold for 4.2. Well, Mark is correct, because when you add the 10% yep. on top of the 4.2, you actually get 4.6, 20,000. At least, yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah. So, I just want to clarify that because uh, I've had a few people who've said, you know, hey, I saw this car sell for four point two million, and I remind them that the ten percent seller's fee. Now, for me, four hundred thousand dollars is a ten percent selling fee is a big number, but it I is. I know. Yeah. It's amazing. I know. It's amazing how that uh, that adds up. Two more uh, cars. The two that I kind of found to be a surprise because I wouldn't think these two celebrities were really car guys. Andy Warhol, the famous pop culture artist, he had a 1955 Ferrari 857 Sport, a super rare, super cool car. I don't know when it sold, what year it sold, but it sold for $6.3 million, and it'd be a hell of a lot more money now um, than $6.3 million if that car came up to auction. And then the surprise number two on this list, Fred Astaire, of all people, also had a 55 Ferrari. He had a 750 Monza Scagliette. In 2011, it sold for $2.5 million, and of course, that would be way more now, too. So, I just, Lou, I just never thought that Andy Warhol and Fred Astaire would have been car guys. They just seemed like they were too, you know, Andy Warhol was pretty out there. I could see maybe him drive, see him driving some, like, fluorescent orange, you know, Cadillac or something, but a 55 Ferrari I didn't see in his wheelhouse, and Fred Astaire... I didn't see him in a 55 Ferrari either. Maybe a Packard or a Cord or something like I, that. But I, I would have liked to, in the day, watch Fred Astaire drive a stick shift car because that <laughs> must have just been dazzling. You know, he'd, he'd do the heel and toe movements on those pedals like nobody you've ever seen before, you know. And all I, you know, my, my mistake would be I'd turn the radio on to something he'd like, you know, and we'd just be buzzing at like 190 miles an hour. You know, so, Fred, 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 relax, Fred. <laughs> and which car would that be in? What would he be driving? What would he be heel and towing? And he'd be heel and towing that 55 Ferrari. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
Oh, only from the mind of Luke Costable, ladies and gentlemen, could we get uh, Fred Astaire heel and towing a 55 Ferrari at speed with Lou and his video camera recording him for My Car Story with Lou. <laughs> and the way they can do CGIs these days, Lou, you know, the way they bring in like CGIs and they do the 3D, psych, you know, the, the holograms. Anything yeah. is possible, right? <laughs> Anything is possible these days. Well, yeah, kind of an interesting list. I just came across it, and I just wanted to, to to talk about that a little bit here on the program. Make sure you tell a friend about the Car Guys Report. We're available all over the place. You can catch us on opishows.com or radiomisfits.com. Online, you can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Android, Stitcher, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, and coming soon to Amazon Audible. And the neat thing to remember about podcasting with the Radio Misfits Podcast Network is everything is free. It's listening on your own terms, whether you've got a laptop, a desktop, a tablet, a phone, whether you're in the park, the office, your home office, your bedroom, your car, with Apple CarPlay or Android Auto. Anything you want, you can get it at any time you want with Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You can fast-forward, rewind, replay, delete, do whatever you want. Go back and re-listen to stuff. It's listening on your own terms, and that's what podcasting is all about. And also, when you're listening to our program, please subscribe to us. You'll get an automatic push notification every time there's new content on the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, which is once a week on Tuesdays. And also, please give us some uh, more reviews. We certainly enjoy your uh continued loyalty listening to the show and if you'd like to leave us some reviews on apple Podcasts, we certainly would appreciate that as well this is the car guys report informed automotive mark vernon along with lou costable lou i'll turn it over to you to tell us all about the car guys report guessing game well the car guys report guessing game if this is your first time listening to the channel um the podcast you'll see that what i do is uh, i have this youtube channel we've talked about called my car story with lou and i'll video cars well we let those cars percolate a little while, which means we give them a couple of months to determine their uh, view ratios. And I'll video three cars in a week. When I video those cars, we'll take a look at them by age of the car. The oldest car starts first, and we'll guess in a one, two, three fashion which one got the most views. Now, pausing for a second, you could view the same car with your camera, put it on YouTube, you get completely different results. But uh, so this is just specifically on the YouTube channel, My Car Story with Lou, and I'll name these three cars now. And Mark will guess, of course, he hasn't seen any of these, which one is first, second, and third. And sometimes I fail miserably, and other times I hit a home run, so. Correct, correct. So here we go. Now, let me add to this one. This is a very close race. Okay. So these cars all have 2,000 views. I'll start with that. Hmm. But the question is, which one has the most of the 2,000 views and which one has the least? So this isn't one where there's a big swing where it has major, major, like 100,000 views, and the next one has 10,000 views or something like that. So the oldest one, since they all have 2,000 views, so it's going to be tight, the ultimate TR3, a 1956 Triumph race car. The next one is a 1965 Chevrolet Corvette Grand Sport Competition tribute. Hmm. Okay, is that red, white, and blue, or blue and white, or it's blue and yeah, white? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the next one is the 1966 Ford Country Sedan Fire Chiefs car hmm. with siren sound. <laughs> um, now the TR3. 
Does that have a spotlight on it? Does not have a spotlight. It has a massive chin spoiler oh, okay. and uh, really, really well done. And what year was that? That one's fifty six. So wow. we got a fifty six Triumph TR three. And what color? It is uh, green. Green. British racing green. Yes. Okay. So fifty six TR three. The Corvette was a sixty five. 65 Grand Sport competition. Okay, and that's blue and white, of course, because that's the Grand Sport colors. And yep. then the last one was? The 66 Ford Country Squire Fire Chiefs car. So is that a uh, station wagon? Station wagon, red with a red. black top with a siren on the top of it, one of those neighbor RFP yeah. cherry balls. And it was, it, was, it, was that a recreation, or was it a, uh actual Fire Chiefs car at some point in its life? Uh, to my knowledge, it was an actual Fire Chief's car. Wow. Okay. I'm going to go with the Fire Chief's car is number one, the Corvette is number two, and the Triumph is number three. Well, number one is correct. Okay. So you got the winning horse. The Fire Chief was 29,077 views. Okay. Or excuse me, 2,977 yeah. views. The number two was the Triumph at twenty five eighty six, huh. and the Corvette came in last with the twenty three seventy eight. Wow, it surprises yeah. me because I just thought that the Triumph wouldn't have enough of interest for whatever reason, being just a Triumph. Because those Grand Sport uh, Corvettes are pretty pretty cool looking. You don't see them all the time, and I mean, obviously, you said it's like the world's best Triumph, though, right? Or the the best fifty six you'll the ever ultimate- see. Yeah, the ultimate TR3 exclamation point, okay. right? So, <laughs> and how did you come up with that? Was that from the owner, or was it uh, was it your uh, description of the car? Um, well, the owner obviously thought it was the ultimate TR3 okay. because he bought it, but <laughs> but I I I agreed with his assessment because uh, uh, this one. Uh, let me take one step back on this TR3. Um, the person who um, had more than enough money, and uh, that was not the issue. As I understand, every week he called the uh, builders of the car, okay. and he put aluminum panels on every part of the car, hmm. so fabricated aluminum panels, wow. and then decided that if the car was ever raced and potentially you know, hit something... Let me guess. He, want- he had a second set made. Exactly. Wow. So this is when you have so much money that, <laughs> that you just... Literally, you just send them a check every week. One thing I forgot to ask about that car, did it have the leather straps on the hood? Yeah. Well, see, if I knew that, I would have said it would be number two then. <laughs> Let me just double check that. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to... I mean, it's got to... If it's the ultimate, it's got to have the leather straps. I'm going to I'm gonna confirm that. Give me one second. I'm, I'm going TR3. It'll pop right up if you go to YouTube and punch up My Car Story with Lou and punch in the words TR3. You too can see this car and uh i'm just clicking the uh uh, the video i'm scrolling now to where i can see the front end of it and hold on i could be wrong um actually i'm not seeing the leather strap yeah i'm seeing a (sighs) metal metal hold on i could be wrong i'm still scrolling i don't know if that makes it the ultimate in my book Oh, this one, this one's, this one's <laughs> no, up there. No, I, I know. It's a great car. 
Yeah. Um, let me see if for some reason, trying to find from the front. I'm not seeing leather straps. Really? Okay. And it's somewhat. Let me let me add for one other reason. You're thinking that you could strap this to the side of the car. These fenders are majorly flared. It looks almost like a, a 280. Oh, okay. A, a 427 Cobra. Yeah. Where uh, the fenders are so flared that uh, you wouldn't be able to. So what it does have, though, it appears it has uh, hood pins. Okay. Well, then you don't need the leather straps. Yeah. So the hood pins, that's from the back. I'm wanting to see the front. Oh, wait. He just opened the hood. Hold on. Yeah, we have we have uh, um, no leather straps. Oh. So I was incorrect. We have uh, uh, bolted down hood pins with a latch. Okay, all right. So and, and there's no leather straps because the fenders are so flared. Yeah. this thing with the wide wheels. But I, I have to say, for anybody who does take the time to look at the engine on this thing, yeah, it is pure artwork. Yeah, and you, you'll sit back and go. Lou, the guy was spending like ten grand a week. That's crazy. <laughs> and then you'll look at the car and you'll be like, "Okay, yeah, I, I, I guess he could have." So, um, yeah. while 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 uh, we're at it, why don't you get that guy's body body fabricator's name, and I'll have an extra set of uh, body panels made for the Saab. That'll. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> while I'm at it, why not? Right? It. Uh... Might be a good thing to have a, a, an extra set of those, but that's a great story, and that's what. Well, uh, well, well to your point, you did great on today's. Uh, you did great uh, picking the number one winner. So, well, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty easy because it's you know bright red. You don't see too many fire chief station wagons and and things like that. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I want to get the trifecta again though. So maybe next episode I'll uh, I'll get three knocked out of the park. We'll have to wait and see. But we do play the Car Guys Report guessing game on every episode of the Car Guys Report. Lou's uh, YouTube channel called My Car Story with Lou. Check it out. Over 1,500 videos, 85,000 subscribers, some of the coolest cars, some of the rarest cars, some of the most unique cars you'll ever see reside on his YouTube channel. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, we'll talk about a VW Transporter that sold well, plus, and this is right up my alley, Lou, Cars with Legroom. Those are... Those stories and more are coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have had you with us. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with OpiShows.com. Opi is hippo, spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be Radio Misfits. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of OPI Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. A Four Seasons Fun Run. The FBI at Chick-fil-A. Our tribute to Norm Crosby. A spiritual journey in Florida. And Rick's brush with movie star Dennis Hopper. All that in unlimited tangents. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. If you missed Los Ano or Los Los Ano and friends, here's what you missed. 
I thought we got over our fight from last week. We had a little tiff that was <laughs> yes. going on. Are you still angry with me? I hope not, because we're supposed to do something tonight. Oh, we are supposed to yeah. do something yeah. tonight. Yeah. Oh, we are. Oh, we have you. We are, no, we're going to. We are going to. What right. great teller are you I'm guys all going yours. to do Tony, tonight? Tony, I'm all yours. Okay. Wow. Well, all, right. all right. That's on the record. You <laughs> get that in writing. Yeah. Do you want? Do you want to tell them what? I, how I asked you? Do you remember what I said? <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he was like, "It's not going to include Star Wars or sex, but hopefully, it'll still be just as fun." It was probably the best text yeah. Yeah. I've ever received. Ooh. Be sure to tell a friend about our friends. Listen, subscribe, rate Lasano and friends on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. Just search for Radio Misfits. Radio Misfits. Get more Lasano and friends. Lasano. Now on Lasano.com. Good luck trying to spell Lasano or whatever the f- it's called. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, the fascinating possibilities that could have reimagined checker cabs, plus a very cool VW single cab transporter. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>